Salam and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by the Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host Salim Qasim, and this week we're actually doing something a little bit different. Um, I've got four guests on the podcast. One, two, yeah, four. Sorry, I had to do a quick count. Um, and basically, we are talking about the Black Muslim Festival that's taking place. Well, I was going to say in the UK, but it's digital, so uh, it's taking place online um, in October for Black History Month. Um, that's been organized by Naima B. Roberts. So she's joining me on the podcast. We've also got three of the uh, panelists who are taking part in the various online events and speakers um, from the event over the, the month. Um, so we've got Naima on the podcast, Hafsa Dabiri, uh, Layin Kasani, and Nabil Abdul Rashid, who I'm sure you will know from some of our previous episodes and the I'm Not Your Bilal podcast. Uh, we're talking about um, the Black Muslim Festival. Uh, how it came about, what it's about, you know, why you should get involved, should you should you get involved, all of that kind of stuff, and then also, I guess, a, a slightly wider conversation about, um, well, I, I guess about you know the, the aftermath of of the summer, um, and and obviously all the things that have happened with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and and just seeing and taking stock of where things are right now and, and as i said we're, we're trying a slightly different format there's something we want to do more of actually on the podcast um we we had a, a suggestion from one of our um listeners to do kind of roundtable discussion so we're hoping to do another one with some with, with some teens and getting some young people on to just share their experiences of of you know what it's like being a young muslim what the struggles are and and i guess getting their kind of um take on things so um yeah, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Let me know if, if you guys have any feedback in terms of the format. Um, if you think there's something we should do more of, then, then, then do drop me an email or, well, yeah, just drop me an email. The, my email address will be in the description. Uh, that is everything. Without further ado, here's my conversation with, well, with, with, with a bunch of people. Um, hope you enjoy. Uh, salam everyone thank you very much for joining me on this podcast um i, I think the, the the best thing to do is probably start by going one by one and, and introducing um ourselves so obviously i'm i'm salim chief editor of the muslim vibe host of the podcast um we'll start with nabil so we can get him out of the way and then move on to our actual um illustrious guests that i'm i'm very happy to have with me on the podcast so nabil go on quickly. i think you're perpetuating toxic masculinity and I think it would be better if we started with our sisters, considering you and I do podcasts and stuff all the That's time. That's fine. So we, we, we've, got, we've got the Nabil intro out of the way. We can move on to the sisters. So over to you, sisters. Uh, Sister Naima, go for it. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, my name is Naima, Naima V. Robert, and um, I'm an award-winning author, editor, speaker, and coach. And I'm really, really glad to be here. Thank you very much. Um, Sister Layinka. Asalaamu Alaikum. I'm Layinka. I'm a self-transformation expert and I work with women to help them become grounded in their self-worth and confidence and I'm grateful to be here too. Thank you. And uh, finally, Sister Hafsa. Asalaamu Alaikum. Um, I am what am I? I'm the editor-in-chief at Muslim. Um, I also am the founder of a group called the Dabiri Group. Um, I'm an author, award-winning author as well. Um, and yeah, I just do bits and bobs here and there, alhamdulillah. And I'm very honoured to be here amongst everyone. <laughs> Thank you, guys. So, so I think I should probably tell the three of you that, that throughout this, for as long as Nabil's with us, there might be a bit of back and forth between us 
you can just ignore that as like general background noise but we do want to have a quite serious conversation today and 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 i, I guess for for people that are listening to this the, the the subtext of it is that um october is black history month in the uk um and naima has has put together a a star-studded month of um events and talks all digitally obviously because of covid um and, and i think the, the the list of names is just never ending um and 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 the four of you that are with me today are, are, are taking part in the festival and are, are speaking on different panels and whatever else so i guess the, the first question, just uh, Naima for yourself, is where did this all come from and, and why is it necessary and, and why did you decide to, to take this up? Bismillah. Well, this summer was, um, it was a, an, a game-changing summer for me as it was for, for many other people, I think. Um, I feel like and I, I've had this conversation, you know, with, with Hafsa before and with Layinka. Um, I feel like something shifted. I think something shifted certainly inside of me, inside of my family. Um, I feel like something shifted in the culture. And I definitely feel something shifted in the Muslim community in the sense that black Muslims began to, not began to speak, but began to shout and began to make up noise and actually speak without fear or favor, without needing to uh, self-censor or kind of water things down or soothe anyone. I feel like what I saw was a huge section of the black Muslim community speaking their truth fearlessly. And that led to some really important conversations that I was privileged to, to have with, you know, um, with, with many, many people on, on the virtual salon. And those conversations were so, so enjoyable and important and powerful and healing that I literally woke up one morning, Allah just inspired me. And I, I just said, imagine if we could bring all these amazing people onto one platform for a whole month, not just like one Friday every week, but a whole month. And we get to talk about everything and we get to have everyone there, like a huge big party, right? And I think I rang Layinka, didn't I? As a link, this is what we're doing. It's going to be a festival and it's going to have workshops and seminars and talks and you're coming and village auntie's coming and Buddha's coming and there's going to be poetry and there's going to be vibes and it's going to be cool. And she said, I love it. Okay, this is great. When is it going to be? I said, November. She said, okay, why November? And I said, well, you know, October's Black History Month and I don't really want to jump on the bandwagon. And she was like, jump on it. Jump on the bandwagon. Yes, ride it. <laughs> ride the bandwagon. So now what we have is a Muslim, a black Muslim contribution to UK Black History Month that lasts the whole month uh, and is, is, is being delivered by over 50 scholars, speakers, comedians, uh, experts, entrepreneurs, uh, poets, everybody. Uh, and like you said, it's kind of like not everyone who's anyone but almost everyone who's anyone, alhamdulillah, they're, they're on the program, mashallah. So it's a huge privilege and it's super exciting. That's awesome. Um, I, I, I'm conscious that Nabil has time constraints, so I think we'll, we'll uh, bring him in uh, with his permission. Um, just Nabil, I, I guess when, when Naima approached you, what were your thoughts about, about the festival? And what do you think broadly? Because what, what Naima said just now was that conversations weren't being had until the summer. 
Um, now, obviously, you know, we've had a conversation on the podcast about anti-blackness in the Muslim community a while back, and I always shout out that episode, and I'll do it again. People listening to this, I'll, I'll put the link in the description. Um, that was in the end of 2019. Um, but what do you think shifted in the summer, and what do you think this festival kind of brings, and, and, and what, what value does it add to the, to the discourse? Oh, like the respectable sister said, um, a lot of things changed this year. I think this year, a series of sad events uh, led to our plight having a bigger, um, more captive audience. And because of that, you know, normally, I mean, people see the videos of things that happen. I don't want to re-traumatize everyone by saying exactly what it was, but there's a problem when it comes to schadenfreude of the uh, current generation where we see things, we're desensitized because we can switch away. Uh, but this year, it's just been a bombardment of hardship. And because people who are seeing these things were already in... It's kind of like how when you fast, you appreciate the, 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 the struggle of a hungry person. This year, all over, the, all over the world, people in different countries were already in a position where they were oppressed, although not necessarily by a man, um, you know, by a virus perhaps, but they felt an, a slight understanding of what it is to live in despair. And I think that made people more susceptible that weakened the immune system of ignorance and, uh, you know, bias to finally understand what it is we've been trying to say for a long time. And I think there was also a chain reaction of people who had um, knee-jerk responses to what they've seen. And because more people are, there's more people in the audience, there were more people to respond to hecklers. So what has happened is because we're at home now, we don't have the distractions of work, uh, of capitalist endeavors, we've had to have these conversations. We've had to have these debates and people who normally would have an out haven't had that. And it's come out to the mainstream. And unfortunately, you know, the Muslim community is one that mirrors external factors while pretending to be independent of them. So I think now there's more people listening. And what I like about the panel that the sisters put together or the group is that I recognize all these names. I may not have always known everybody. We may not have always spoken to each other. Hell, I'm so sorry, that's my daughter in the background. <laughs> it's fine, keep going, keep going. It's a nice background, uh, background music. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Um, but um, yeah, so while we, we, I may not, we may not all have known each other personally, these are names that didn't jump on a bandwagon. These are all people, yeah. oh, damn it. <laughs> these are all people who have always been about what they're about. These are all people who have always, in our different ways, you know, my small, contributions have been consistent for the last 10 11 years no one can say it's a bandwagon same with sister naima sister Lainka. and obviously what 10 years ago hafsa was like what nine but you know <laughs> for the majority of her adult life she's also been very active mashallah so yeah i think it's great because finally it's, it's like throwing a match into a room full of gasoline you know th there's so many people who have the expertise and the passion in this and and, and now it's perfect because we still have that captive audience Mm -hmm. And uh, um, a lot of the um, cognitive dissonance now has been shattered. You know, people who don't want to hear what we have to say are people who basically just are racist. You know, at this point, after the amount of discussions that have happened on so many levels, I'm talking about political, I'm talking about economic, you know, religious, the amount of people that have come out and discussed this now and explained these issues in depth. So now we've got this event, what I like about it is it's gotten past just telling people, don't be racist and Bilal was black. We're past that now in the Muslim community. Now, alhamdulillah, I mean, who, I mean, subhanAllah, guys, did you know Bilal was black? I mean, the first 5,000 times someone told me, I didn't figure it out. But now, you know, 
But alhamdulillah, now the, 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 I like the fact that the conversation has grown into conversations about, uh, you know, the, 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 the position of black people and black Islam in so many different spectrums. So whether it's in relationships, in art, in business, in media, in history, we can now have these conversations. And I hope that because of efforts like this um, in the future, we don't have to have these conversations. We can build with the knowledge that we now have and have spread. So thank you very much, Auntie Naima. Sorry, I mean, Sister Naima, uh, for putting this together. I really deeply, deeply respect your efforts. Oh, um, thank you very much. Uh, so, uh, Leinka, just, uh, I, I guess, following on from, from um, what Nabil said, with regards to the Muslim community, um, do, do you think that, the, that there has been that kind of awakening from the non-black community as to the struggles or, or, or I guess the issues and the, the problems that we have with regards to race and, and the treatment of black people within the community? Do you think there's been a shift? And I guess secondly, also, when, when um, Naima called you and told you about this month-long festival, um, what was your reaction? What did you think? And how, how, like, you know, what went through your head at that point? Well, with <laughs> Naima... Sorry, two, two like... very different questions. I get that. <laughs> Please but... don't read like, me. I'll, 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 I will, I will do the second one first. Because <laughs> okay. is... Naima always, mashallah, she's blessed with ideas, right? And so I'm usually one of the first people that hears about her ideas. And I'm usually the one who goes, mm-hmm, okay, okay, mm-hmm. Because like, her energy is unreal. So I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Go for it, bismillah. But she was, when she said... November I was but but why you know black history is is typically known as being the time when we just talk about slavery where we talk about the slave trade where we talk about our you know our struggles and woe is us I was like change that narrative this is a point where we can make history by making the month a month of celebration mm. and it's never been done before and I said we are doing it then we're not going to make black history just about slavery we're going to make it about a celebration of our past yeah. and our present and, and i think that for me is powerful sorry to cut you off but i think sister Naima, you mentioned to me on the phone that you've only got one panel on racism is that correct yeah and and that was intentional because you didn't want for the focus to just be this kind of the the, the past and slavery and whatever else but actually be a celebration something positive um, which yeah. i thought was 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 very i guess unique and powerful in its own sense sorry uh Lenka, i cut you off please carry on and I, yeah, I, I do. I do think it's a, it's a powerful statement to make for us now. And I remember when I was speaking about this uh, with Naima the other day, and it gave me the shivers. Like, what are we? What precedent are we send, uh, setting for our future generation of Black Muslims, mm. and Black children? What message are we sending to them about Black History Month and what it means and what it can mean? And almost that thing, like we can make it mean whatever we want it to mean. And it doesn't have to be what it's always meant. Um, and showing them that, subhanAllah, the power lies with us. The power for change lies with us and within us. And we can do what, what's necessary and we can mobilize for change. It's the fact that we've got 40 plus, 40 plus black Muslims is un unreal. The fact that Naima has been able to mobilize so many people from an array of experiences, from an array of backgrounds, um, knowledge-wise as well. So Panala, it shows the wide spectrum of, it's not just about Black Muslims being Bilal, you know? <laughs> like our, our spectrum is wider than that, alhamdulillah. Um, and in terms of the, you know, the narratives 
about black Muslims in the Muslim community, I think um, <laughs> that like, like Brother Nabil said, there was nowhere to run. There were, there were like COVID and the situation made it like we had to face it. You had to actually mm -hmm. face the mess. You couldn't pretend like, oh, you know, I just got to go to work or got to go to school or got, like, I've, you've got, you've actually got nowhere to go. You're in your house, you're working from home, you're doing everything from home. You're literally on social media every day because that's how timeline you reminding you and reinforcing all of this stuff. Right. Right. And it was subhanAllah. I really feel like it was planned perfectly, even though it was, it came from sad sadness and it came from, uh, real um pain mm. but it also it also illustrates to me what beauty can come from pain and this is a beautiful um evolution that came from something collectively painful and collective grief that was happening um during during the particular event that happened in the summer um but just to also again illustrate that we don't have to stay there. We can move. We can do something with it. We can take that emotional rubble and build something new. And this for me is what's happening here. Alhamdulillah. And I'm so, you know, girl, I'm so happy to be part of this. Alhamdulillah. That is a whole word right there. And yeah, yeah, I, I completely hear you. That beauty coming from pain, coming from a place of pain uh, and trauma, but us not having to stay there. And Brother Selim, you're not the first person to ask me about you know, are we going to be tackling racism during this, this festival? And it's like, it's not our job to tackle racism. That's not our work. Like, that's your work. <laughs> you guys are the ones with the issue. What we are going to talk about, though, is a collaborative approach to anti-racism work and initiatives in the community and without. And that's more for practitioners. That's more for the people who are out there on the front lines sharing what's working you know the conversations that are happening networking um much more i feel the festival is for us to to kind of almost go inwards it's it's for this group of people by this group of people and it's for us to address the issues that we feel are important in our daily lives not what others think we should be concerned about or others think that we are concerned about 24 seven. Um, that's why there's such, such a diversity in terms of the topics, in terms of the speakers, in terms of the, the formats, whether it's about youth or social media influence or you know, polygamy or marriage or you know, mental health, that's our lived reality. These are issues, wealth is a huge one in the black Muslim community as it is in the black community. So I'm really excited about us having those conversations, yeah. Awesome. And, and uh, Hafsa, I'm aware that we've, you've been quiet for very long. Um, I, I think for the interesting take from my perspective is, as Nabil mentioned, you're probably the youngest person here. Um, what, what's, what's your experience been like, I guess, through the summer and also engaging with this? Because I think, at least as far as I can remember, this event is the first of its kind in terms of how many black panelists are on one in one event as part of one festival um i guess how, how do you perceive it and how do other young people i say this i feel old now talking about young people but you know tell me what do you think <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh, it's crazy because um oh i'm gonna make myself even sound young but when i was growing up it was people um like this um name would be robert and like asani and even nabil who i'd watch and go to events and you know see doing what they're doing and sort of representing what it means to be 
um, a black Muslim who is thriving and has a voice and, you know, the centre of their life isn't um, sort of um, discrimination or race and, and, and countering that. And so I think it kind of comes full circle from a thing where like I used to see that growing up and then I recognised that there was a need for certain spaces like six years ago um, and I've been sort of doing my own work for the last six years to ensure that like that I'm building for myself is even better than what I experienced growing up and so I think what I think is really special about this this festival is that we're literally making history like you're literally writing history right now and I think that that's literally transforming what we saw Black History Month as before we would literally spend the entire month you know just going over narratives that actually don't even you know they don't even relate to us they don't they don't they're not written by us what we learn about our history isn't even you know the, the history that we're supposed to be learning um and it's all within a certain time period of trauma and pain we never learn about the history before that um and i think it's just really transformational that not only are we calling upon sort of people like mustafa briggs to bring us our authentic history but then we're also creating an event and a space that's platforming people who are doing revolutionary things in the community who are rebuilding spaces who are transforming media entertainment the charity space education mental health all in their own different ways um, and unfortunately we don't have that from the mainstream communities whether it's within the muslim community or outside of the muslim community so we've created that for ourselves essentially and i think that the work that sister maybe naomi robert is just honestly i've been inspired from such a young age so i think just being here right now is just crazy and hands in line and even uh, speaking to um a woman like my therapist like an hour ago and she mentioned your name and I was like she's literally everywhere like she's literally everywhere Allahumma barik so um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just you know bless it bless it bless it bless it bless it inshallah um I, I think in terms of the festival itself and I'm going to leave this as an open question I'm not going to direct it to anyone because I want you guys to just jump in and, and let's have a chat I, I think one of the things uh, Naeem I saw you discussing on one of your Instagram lives was about whether this festival is for black people only or black Muslims only, and and if and how and why non-black Muslims should engage and should be involved, um, and 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 what the potential benefit, I guess, is is within that. So I'm I'm just going to leave that as like a speculative question, and I mean, feel free to to just I, I guess answer that because I'm sure non-black listeners might be thinking, well, what's in it for me? Um, why should I why should I partake in the festival? Yeah, I mean, if I can just speak to this for a second, I have two answers ready to go. Um, and the one answer might. is, yes, it is. And the reason I would say, yes, it is for black people is because I, at that question, is this for black people only? There's like an attitude there. It's just like, so what, you know, like, oh, oh really? It's so it's for black people only. And so one answer is that, it, yes, it is for us. And that's okay it's okay because we need this. And I think what's changed, and I have to just you know, acknowledge and honor my sister Hafsa, who is an absolute queen, mashallah, tabarakallah, may Allah always bless her and guide her, ameen. She has been doing the work and not just her, but many of the people, we can call them young people, um, of the millennials in this space, they have been doing the work. They have been creating the safe spaces for black Muslims to converse, to talk, to create together. So they have been doing the work. They've been doing it. Um, so I think what I would say is, I think for my generation, there's always been almost like uh, a sense of embarrassment and kind of not wanting to ruffle feathers, 
not wanting to make people feel uncomfortable, not wanting to make people feel like you've got an issue with something, right? Um, and so when I say that the Black Muslim Festival is for Black Muslims, I say that as in it is for us and it's okay because this is what we need right now. Just like if I was to create a women's conference and it's for women only to address women's issues, no one can say to me, oh, so what? So men are not allowed in that kind of, you know, like combative tone, like trying to, trying to kind of challenge the fact that women need women's spaces to be mm -hmm. able to discuss women's issues in a women's way. Same with the Black Muslim Conference. So one answer is that, yes, it is for us. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be for everyone. It's not going to be for everyone. But the other answer is that it's open to all. So there is no exclusion on the basis of race or religion. We have lots of non-Black people who have joined up. We have non-Muslims who are coming and we want them to come, but they're coming into our space and they're welcome. So it's like, you've got your house, it's your house, it's your friends, it's your family, it's your rules, it's decorated the way you like, but it's an open door. So it's an open house and anyone come and come and learn. And what I'm saying, there's like four types of people that, will benefit inshallah from this amazing month's program one if you see a speaker that you like you see them go on the website you see a speaker that you like join if you read the program and you see some topics that are really interesting to you or that you feel you know what i need to know about that join if you don't know any black muslims and you're curious about black muslim life experience culture attitudes join and if you do know about black Muslims and you'd like to know more or you'd like to just sit and learn, then join. And if you're none of those four, then maybe it's not for you. And that's OK. You know, it's, it's, it's fine. But I think that a lot of people, inshallah, will come and will really have a very, very, very eye opening experience, inshallah, and enjoy. I don't know what you guys think, but maybe that's a bit of a naughty I, 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 answer. But that's I, I kind of to, where I'm, where I'm, how I'm feeling actually... right now. I wanted to direct something that you said uh, and, and, and ask Nabil a question. Um, you mentioned that you, you didn't want to ruffle feathers and you felt like a, a sense of, you know, wanting to like not, not have that conversation necessarily. Um, Nabil, as, as I think we all know, and, and you know, is, is a, a fantastic comedian. And one of his shows a few years back was entitled Brap, um, which stood for black racist and proud. Um, I, I wanted to ask Nabil whether you've ever felt that that not wanting to ruffle feathers or you've always been very upfront and I don't want to say antagonistic, but, you know, very upfront with it. Oh, he's, he's got a childcare issue, I think. We'll, we'll wait for him to... This is, this is great podcast material if it's audio only that people are listening to. Oh, his, his video has gone as well. Um, I think maybe we'll come back to Nabil. Um, Leinka and, and Hafsa, um, any thoughts, I guess, on, on the same topic of, of um, who should attend? Hey. Oh, he's back. Um, sorry, just my dame here is uh, staging a political protest. Uh, <laughs> she's now being pacified. So, sorry, what, what was the question again? I'm asking the whole question again. Uh -huh. Okay. The question was, uh, Naima was talking about uh, not wanting to ruffle feathers when it comes to um, talking Marshall. about race and bringing these kinds of things up. But I, I, I feel like you've always been a, a bit more upfront with it. Um, Me? 
Yes, you. No. What's, uh, um, what's your perspective you know, been over the years? As you know, I'm somebody who is very in tune with the emotions of others. And I highly value the sensibilities of others. But at the same time, upsetting people is a sacrifice that I'm willing to make. You know, it's one of those things that sometimes popularity has to come second. And the reality is this. I always, like there was a time off, we were driving past the mosque and my local masjid has a high number of black people because it's in South London and this is where black people are manufactured. But the thing is, this guy saw a masjid and the congregation resembled the general population of the area. It was like, how come there's mainly black people coming out of the mosque? And it just made me think. Years ago, we put together an event and we had black speakers and we had um, black entertainers. And someone asked, is this actually a Muslim event or is it NOI? I, you know, I'm not going to say how I responded to the person. I want to keep, uh, I want to try and keep the language as civil as possible here. But what, there's always this degree of suspicion and fear and even disgust whenever anything is predominantly black. And I find it fantastic because like when we want to do a black Eid, all of the sudden people start remembering hadiths that they forgot years ago, you know, when they were going to their pizza. Whenever black people decide we want to do an event and it's mainly black food, that's when they want to see HMC and HFC and HFA certificates. Everything black is always questioned but they can't seem to understand how we feel when we go to their masjids and they're speaking Urdu, Farsi, or English that may as well be Urdu or Farsi. They don't understand how we feel when we go to fundraising events and they're not even making dua for our countries, let alone raising funds for them. You know, so much like Naima, I would respond that yes, it's for black people. If you like, don't come. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, I've been involved in these discussions where I'll be a part of a fundraising event or I'll be a part of some other kind of event and it only caters to South Asian and Arab Muslims. And when I make a point of, look, we're not being included, like, oh, but brother, you know, the majority are like this. And then, you know, when you discuss these things online, the trolls will say things like, well, if you don't like it, go and make your own. You guys always expect us to do things for you. But then when we go and make our own, all of the sudden, all the, all the sudden problems are there too. Oh, why are you doing this? You're being a nationalist. You're being a... So it's, it's almost a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for black Muslims. Same thing when, when sisters do things. People complain, for example, that all sisters want to do is be makeup artists and hijabi fashionistas, which is fine. If they want to be that, let them be that, you know. But then whenever you see a sister coming out and doing anything that even slightly resembles academia, the misogynists start to appear and assemble. Oh, sister, you shouldn't be in front of a camera. Oh, sister, you shouldn't be doing this. They then start trying to mansplain why she shouldn't do what she's doing. So, sorry, I, I'm very passionate about this, so I, t I tend to start to ramble. But I think important, it's, it's actually sad that it's only now we have something of this magnitude for black people. And not only do I think, yes, it's, it's important that this is just for black people. I hope this becomes a tradition. And I hope eventually when Uncle COVID goes away, we can have live events where we can have a whole festival, just like they have Edinburgh. We can have this and have black people, black Muslims from all over flying down. We could do it in different countries. I, I really hope that this expands and grows and becomes something, you know, it becomes something that we establish and then we don't have to go to other, you know, at the end of the day, you shouldn't ask somebody who doesn't like you to do something for you. And I think what Sister Naima has done, Sister Naima has done, 
is very, very important. I think this is the seed of a plant that will grow and sprout many, many different plants, inshallah. So I'm, I'm very honored to be a part of it. And anybody who even dares to ask the question, is it only for black Muslims with a, even a hint of a tone? It's not for you. Facts. 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 Layinka, uh, any thoughts on, on, on this? Yeah, um, I was just going to add that, yeah, I think even historically, so there's a talk show that um, that we run annually and it's just been a case where just because it's been a majority, pe like people of colour, black people, not even people of colour, that phrase is not what we're going to use right now, but black people um, and, you know, we even try to sort of seek diversity in terms of the types of Muslims that we want to be at our events. So it's not just people who are at their highest point in terms of women who are covering um, or in terms of their spirituality. We sort of ensure that there's a range of individuals. So on our Instagram, for example, there's pictures of just people from every walk of life, um, black Muslims who are just trying their best to sort of do what they're doing um, and, and be Muslim um, living in the West. Um, and I remember I you know, sent out um, to like businesses asking whether or not they wanted to sponsor um, a charity aspect of the event where we basically have a raffle and you know they could donate a product or whatever and probably like 90% of the responses were from your page it doesn't look like a Muslim event and so we, we don't want to be involved or this you're dividing the ummah um, and you know this is a fitna and you know it's just I think we've we've got to a point where we've realized that the downward that we we tend to put out is not working you've got to look at our young people you've got to look at how black muslims are growing up but even muslims from asian and arab backgrounds there are so many issues in our communities that are just tabooed we can't talk about sexuality we can't talk about relationships we can't talk about um addictions we can't talk about um the things that are really the big issues within the muslim community that are we push off as like being Western issues when really that, you know, a majority of our young people are suffering from these things as well. And when we do create spaces to have those conversations, we're sort of ushered to the side and, you know, said that, you know, this is completely haram. And I think that's why the talk show for me was really important, that it was a safe space for Black Muslims and Muslims who they could identify with being marginalized and they could identify with needing a safe space to have conversations and not feel threatened. Um, but one of my questions, I, I know it's not for me to ask questions because it's not my podcast, um, but it's how you're going to sort of like manage that because we had a couple of um, occasions where people would feel as if that they could have those conversations when really when they were pressed about their prejudices and asked to, you know, to recognize certain aspects of um, discrimination that were sort of built into their biases they became very sort of antagonistic and sort of worked against the space instead of for it and so for me it's like I, I try to be as welcoming as possible um, but you know innately as humans we, we might not recognize the biases that we have and when we come into action with that we kind of just feel threatened and our natural response is to sort of like throw everything away so how how is like how are we going to work towards um, finding solutions for that inshallah well, I think uh, the main thing that I'm, I think that's a really, really interesting point. And I think the main area that I'm looking out for is the Facebook group, um, because all the free events are going to be live streamed into the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And obviously the Facebook group is open. It's a space for men, women, black, yellow, brown, whatever, Muslim, non-Muslim. Yeah. So I think that will be the space that I feel will need to be moderated, um, just mm -hmm. so that 
yeah, you can keep it a safe space because this is the thing. And I think what you touched on really is the crux of the matter. If we are going to open up our space, there are house rules. The house rules is that this is our house and you have to respect the house rules. It's, it's a respectful, welcoming into our space. And if my house is a house where you take your shoes off when you come in, that's what you have to do, you know, uh, because that's just manners. So inshallah, monitoring that is really the main area that I feel if there were trolls in there, if there are people kind of ranting and raving in the Facebook group, then it will spoil the experience for the attendees in the group. So we just block them. That's all we do with people. We just block. We just block. That's all we do. So I, I mean, I'm not anticipating anything. I don't like to put that kind of energy out there. Yeah. But if there was anything, then it would just be a block. And yeah. I, I wanted to actually, um, something that you mentioned, Hafsa, uh, Leinka, you've been involved with uh, Honest Tea Time, I think it was called. I'm saying this because Naima just informed me about this just before we got on. And, and I have to be honest, I've, I've not actually seen any of this. But I went on YouTube and, and the videos have hundreds of thousands of views. Um, you can add one to a couple of them now because I'm going to start going through and listening. But what, what was the response like when you were having quite, because I looked at some of the titles and I watched like a few minutes here and there, but there were quite uh, at times taboo or sensitive topics, but just having a very real and authentic conversation. And I guess, like uh, Naima said, letting people into your space. Um, what, was, what was the response to that like? Well, it's been mixed. Um, there have been people who have been haram, Sisters shouldn't be on camera and astaghfirullah, why are you talking about these issues, especially when we talked about the intimacy issue, which got, which stands as the most popular episode. It was the most popular one and it was the baddest like, bombest you shouldn't, one, that's it. You shouldn't be talking about that, but we will watch it. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. But when we talked about racism, and it was interesting talking about racism because we did bring racism to the podcast. And for me... Um, looking and some people have said, I think Lienka, you should have, we should have a part two of that episode because my, my, uh, my views on that particular episode have not necessarily changed because I can still say my talk about my own experiences with, with regards to racism. But um, I know that the events in the summer shifted something in me to be able to own my own mess around actually running away from the, from the topics around race because of my own rage and not being able to channel my rage and being seen as an angry black woman. And so it's been really interesting for me personally to navigate that space myself, but the top, the, but the, 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 the thing about women speaking openly about topics that are often not spoken about, I can completely identify with Hafsa's experience. Um, because it's been like, you shouldn't be talking about that. Why are you doing that? Astaghfirullah, all the ahadith mm. or, like, or, or traditional views are, are kind of then like lambasted on us. Um, and yet when we, when we say, well, we, where are the safe spaces? Where are the dialogues about these things? Where are, can't you see the impact of not talking about it? It's a bit then like, uh, 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 you know, the stammer comes in um, because there is no real solution. And I think that's why we, it's imperative for, her, for us to have these spaces. And to be fair, with regards to the Black Muslim Festival, I think it is a self, kind of like self-filtering process anyway. Like if you really, really hate Muslims, Black Muslims, hate the idea of the Black Muslim Festival, but you still want to buy a ticket and you still want to like lurk in the background, 
you really do need to check yourself. <laughs> you really do need to check yourself. There will be people who want to see, you know, they, they want to yeah, see what this is all about. Um, there are some people who will be like, hell no, like that is just haram. And alhamdulillah, I'm hoping that the titles and the whole event just puts them off from, from, from registering anyway, because it's clearly not for them. And no matter how much you talk to these kind of people, they will not shift in their own perspective. And it's not our job to shift anyone's perspective exactly. anyway. Mm, exactly. You know, that's not our role. That's for them to check their mess. And I, this is kind of like my, my running uh, phrase, like check your mess, because it's not our job to check it for you. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that there is a self-filtering process happening, that people are being put off who need to be put off. And those who are curious, are allowing the curiosity to, their curiosity to click that button register for at least the free ticket and come on board and see what it's all about and i'm sure that they will be like wonderfully surprised about you know what what they come across because it's most likely not what they expected yeah sure. no it, it sounds awesome um i so i guess moving away from the festival uh what i did want to discuss uh, i guess for the last 15 20 minutes was just generally about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and I guess ad addressing it on this podcast particularly because we've had, as I said, we've had that conversation with Nabil last year about anti-blackness in the Muslim community. Then in the summer, um, we launched the I'm Not Your Bilal podcast again with Nabil. Um, we have about six or seven episodes. I, I can shout out my own podcast on, on my own podcast. Um, but but so we've, we've launched that podcast where we're having conversations specifically about the black, about the black Muslim experience. And, and we spoke about Black Lives Matter. We had a, a, an episode called All Lives Matter, which was addressing all of the common, I guess, misconceptions and things uh, spoken about at the time. Um, but and, and also the, the virtual salon Neymar that you host, um, there was an episode uh, maybe a month or two ago when it was it was just in the summer when when things were at its peak um, and, and you had about 10 or 15 people on there and everyone was kind of giving their opinion on the question was whether this is like a seminal moment and whether, you know, a tide has turned. Um, and, and I feel now like the, the dust and the that emotion and that pain that was there initially has settled somewhat. And now is the time for kind of long-term change and action. And, and for me, the question is whether you think that's actually happening. Because, for example, as a, as a football fan, what I'm seeing is that every match at the beginning, they're, they're, they're putting their knee on the ground. And then at 8 minutes and 47 seconds, they've got Black Lives Matter next to the team names at the top. And, and that's about it. But at the moment, there's no fans in the stadium. So there aren't any reported incidents of racism. But online, we're seeing that people... Um, I guess we can call them white supremacists or just racists are, are getting very upset by this whole black lives matter um, song and dance that's being happened as they put it with regards to how the premier league is still carrying this on. Personally, I feel like it's, it's very tokenistic what the premier league are doing. And, and this is obviously one example, um, but the, the, it lacks that certain substance for me anyway, because Raheem Sterling, for example, is disproportionately very poorly treated by the media when he buys a house for his mum, for example, in contrast to a white English player um, in, in the way they report this. So I guess the question, again, this is an open one, is, is now that the emotions are kind of um, not running as high, I think everyone's still, when you think back to what's happened in the summer, there is still that kind of anger inside. Um, but where do you see everything going from here? Do you think there's, this is the spark of, of actual change or is it just another incident 
um, in a long line of incidents we've had for, 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 for decades, if not even hundreds of years. Whoever yeah, wants so, to jump in, feel free. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think when it comes to Black Lives Matter as a political movement, I think we have to like distance that from individuals who kind of take it upon themselves to believe that Black Lives Matter and then sort of do actionable things as individuals. Um, I do think that institutions, unless you change policy and unless you change um, sort of institutions internally, there isn't going to be anything substantial in the long term to come out of this movement that we're currently having. But I do think what, what I don't think it's, I don't think the tokenism necessarily is sort of wholly negative. I do think that there is a change in sentiment as well. Um, there are conversations that are happening within households, within by, behind closed doors, between individuals that we don't know of, but we're sort of seeing uh, more and more people asking questions, questioning their, their privileges, their biases. And these are things that weren't happening before. And so I think essentially it's just, you know, for, for Allah to, you know, show us, but I think over time it will be a thing where sentiment does lead to action. And then hopefully does lead to changes in policy with the type of people that we're voting in um, and the type of organizations that we're working for. But from a business perspective and in terms of like um, from a corporate level, so my day job is um, partially diversity marketing as well. So um, diversity marketing, but then diversity and inclusion from like an internal and external perspective for businesses. And so I think a lot of the conversations I've been having it having having, ugh, having with um, companies that are quite big is that they do believe that it matters, but they just don't know what to do next. And so it's just about having people there who have the actionable next steps. And we have to have we have to stop having conversations basically about what has been happening and more about how we can progressively move forward. Inshallah. So. I think especially after the after the summer, there was a lot of people who were like, oh, we want to book you for this Zoom session and we want to do this um, this um, sort of course and this training. And it was a bit like, okay, it's great that you're doing this in this moment where the spotlight is on it, but what have you thought about for the coming months and for your internal structure? And if you're a university, have you thought about having a welfare officer that's there to put in um, policy and, and infrastructure so that when there is an incident of Islamophobia or anti-blackness that is dealt with accordingly and it's not just based off of sentiment but there is like a guided process and so yeah I think it's just we have to change the discussions that we're having on an individual level and inshallah that will translate into something actionable. I think in terms of you know the the sentimental things that and the tokenist um, things that different companies are doing it's obviously because they don't want to fa face the backlash of not doing of doing nothing right yeah. and so it's like okay we got to wave a flag so that we 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 look like we're doing something we don't really know what the heck we're going to do or what to do but let's show something it's better than having all of these people who now point the finger at us and say you did nothing at all um but it just like Hafsa said a lot of a lot of companies organizations actually don't have a clue what to do it's it's like okay so we know there's a problem how do we fix it and there is that gap between knowing and change and what those specific actionable steps are so we know okay so yeah there, there are f very few black black uh, employees that we have do we now just hire black people just to fill up the quota of missing black people like and then there's that well i'm now a token employee i'm the the one that that kind of like fits your quota but not necessarily on my own 
merit of mm. being an awesome person. So it's, it's a really, it's not as straightforward as we'd like it to be. Um, and I think for us, it's important that we appreciate that it is a process and it will need to run its course and it will take time. Yes, we want things to change, but we didn't get here overnight. And so there are things that we need to dismantle and the dismantling might take a long time, but it's for us to stay the course and to not give up because it's easy for us to say, nothing's changed, nothing's working, nothing happened, so let's just give up entirely. But for us to keep recognizing that every pebble makes that mountain, so to keep at it and to not give up, um, and, and to keep having those conversations towards change um, and putting things in place so change actually occurs, inshallah. Just quickly, on, on, on something that you mentioned, uh, you were talking about essentially positive discrimination in the workplace or you know, ha having a, a, a quota to fill, so to speak, and not getting in on, on merit alone. Um, it's interesting that, that the next podcast, which I actually recorded yesterday, but is going to go out after this one, which is a bit weird. Anyways, um, but we, we were talking about uh, the Equality Act um, and, and, and actually about positive discrimination, all these kinds of things. And I think for me, the difficulty is that whilst I agree that, you know, I should be taken, although obviously I'm, I'm not a black male, but as a, as a person of color, I should be taken for a role based on merit of, of my work, of my CV and my personality, whatever, rather than because I, I, I tick a box or I fit a quota. But I also feel like the, we live in a system that is not just, that is not fair. Um, and, and so you're talking about every pebble and whatever else. And I feel like at, at one level, there's, there's, we can do only so much, but there is a, a, a systematic issue at, at hand here. Um, and, and that, I mean, I don't want to get revolutionary, but that's something that needs overhauling before we can actually see change. Uh, Naeem, I think you're, you, you, you want to come in. Yeah, um, I would like to speak to that, actually, because I think that, you know, the conclusions, I think we had this conversation in a virtual salon session and the, the, the panelists were divided because there were some who felt, no, the system has to change and we need to be part of the system so that it can change. So, for example, the work that Hafsa is doing and a lot of other people who are in corporate in government, in there, in those businesses, trying to make a change, um, which is difficult. And it comes at a high price as well, I think. And I think everyone who is doing that work knows that it comes at a cost. It's like when you're trying to change the masjid uh, structure, you know, you're trying to make the masjid more equitable. You know, you're, um, you are, uh, it comes at a price. You know, there's microaggressions, there's frustration, there's like, you feel like you're pushing against this huge system, but there have to be some people who are going to do that in order for that change to take place. So there were some panelists who were like totally for that. And they're like, no, we have to stay within the community, within the masjid, within the schools to make the change possible. And then there were others, very mm -hmm. interestingly, I don't know, Lane, if you remember this conversation, but there were others who were saying, I'm tired. I, I'm tired. And I, I don't want to do this anymore, whether it is within the Islamic school where her children experienced racism year after year after year, whether it is in that company or that, that, that corporation where she's experienced all manner of you know, inequalities, et cetera, whether it's in a country where she feels that she is not welcome and her children have no chance of actually growing in a healthy way. There were some panelists who were like, you know what? Nah. 
I'm not going to spend my life uh, basically teaching others and pleading with others to see me and to see my children and to grant me what I what is my birthright. So you know there there is a, a, a case for continuing to engage that has to happen. But I would say that whether you choose to engage or disengage, which is a choice, the work still has to be done internally, whether it's as Muslims or as black people or women or anyone. When you we say internally, have to do, do you mean our own work within we ourselves? We have to do our own healing. We have to, mm. you know, unlearn, relearn, uh, you know, teach new things to our children, teach new things to our families, change things within if we hope if we have any hope of seeing any change and that's us taking back our power because i i feel personally when i see the system i just think it's rotten to the core and i've said this many times i do believe the system is rotten to the core and i believe it was created that way and in fact many people came out and said that the system is not broken it is as it was designed to be and if that's the case I'm not going to sacrifice my life trying to change the system or especially the performative stuff. Because for me, that's one thing that I would say to anyone or anyone who will listen, don't get fooled by the performance of acceptance, of tolerance, of diversity, all of that. Because it's very easy for whether it's governments, corporations, whoever, to, to put on an act, to put on a show to give you a prize, to give you a day, to give you a month, even to put in a law that makes you feel good so that you take your eye off the real issue, so that you stop oh, focusing on the real things, right? So Sahabso, are you nodding with me right now? <laughs> yeah, I was saying, you were saying to put on a show and to give us four post boxes as well. <laughs> what was it? Yeah. The, the, the post boxes that they've, they've unveiled yeah. in the UK for um, uh, Black History Month. They've got black post boxes up for the month, apparently. Four out of 150,000. That's great. Oh, is it only that's, four they've the done? This is the yeah, thing that's great. Wow. While that's happening, I just saw on someone's page about how schools are not allowed to teach from anti-capitalist sources. They're not allowed to teach okay. history that re-examines Winston Churchill and people like that. So that's all performative. You giving us post boxes, that's great. But what you're not about to do right now is actually overhaul the system itself, the education system, uh, you know, the curricula, everything that is actually basically building the society that we live in today. Nobody mm. wants to touch that. But yeah, they'll give you a performance at the Brit Awards. They'll can, give you, you know, a week and a banner. And, and a, I'm just, I'm over it, guys. I wanted to just address what you were saying earlier, I think was, was, was really interesting about how, you know, when you had that conversation, that the rumor split ultimately. Um, I, I personally feel and I've come to the conclusion because I, I've always been a outside of the system kind of guy like you know we have to make change from that's why you know the Muslim vibe is an independent media platform I didn't want to go down like oh let's let's get into a mainstream media outlet and then change it from within because I don't think you can but I feel like everyone is going to choose their own path some people are going to work internally some people are going to work externally the only way that we as a, as, a, as a collective can succeed is if we're all working in the same direction towards the same goal. So the way that the four of us here today might do something with regards to tackling racism might be different. We might all do different things. But mm -hmm. if our ultimate goal is the same, then, then hopefully we can all come closer to that, right? And, and I've, I've said it before on the podcast, I'm sure. Um, but for me, from like an Islamic perspective, it's always about the journey, not about the goal. 
um, because we don't always believe that we're going to reach that goal. And, and, and there's always that example of the lizard that was spitting on the, the, the fire um, that had one of the prophets in it. And, and when I think one of the other animals were either laughing or asking, he said, I'm doing my bit. I just want to be able to tell God that I tried. And I think that that's it ultimately, because I've, I've spoken to people who, who work within the system, who work within organizations that I consider to be very problematic and toxic. But I've had like a genuine conversation, said, do, do you actually believe that you're doing what's, what's the best for the Muslim community? And, yeah. and his answer was, yes, I can only take him on his word. And whilst I, I think he's working and it's harming the Muslim community, ultimately God's going to judge us on, on our intentions, right? And I think that's, for me, at least what it comes down to. Um, yeah, I, the, the thing is, that this, this conversation, I think that there's, there's so much to kind of explore and, and, and say, but um, yeah. I, I, I am aware that we have a whole month of, of amazing conversations lined up. Um, so I, I think, you know, if you guys have any, any final thoughts or remarks about the festival, about the conversation we've had, then, then, then take it away. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to to wrap up. I know Sister Naima is definitely going to want to come in right at the end with something. Um, but Hafsa, Leinka, anything from you guys? Yeah, I think I just, I just want to say that to, to people who kind of have seen the festival and don't know if it's for them, I think just try it. Just attend, um, see how it makes you feel, really just be open-minded and explore um, everything that it has to offer. Um, and then just use it as a moment of reflection. Um, come in without expectation and just um, prepare to be wowed, I would say, inshallah. Inshallah. Definitely prepare to be wowed. And, you know, even, even, even on that point of curiosity, if there's a pang of discomfort, I think it's definitely a point of going inward and checking in with that and getting curious about what are you specifically uncomfortable with? And that might be a clue to some work that needs to be done um, within you internally, uh, you know, when you see a, a panel of awesome black Muslims um, that makes you uncomfortable, that's, that's a, a beautiful moment to check in with yourself and, and see where the work is needed. And we look forward to seeing you. And if you don't come, we'll have fun anyway. <laughs> There's a lot of like, so what energy right now? <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Now I, I I hope that everybody does come. I do want to say um, a big thank you to you, Celine, for for your support, and really just to acknowledge, you know, the Muslim organisations that have just been like, this is awesome. Well, how can we help? Let us give you money. I say, yeah, bring it. We need it because we're looking after our speakers, <laughs> I, and I'm there's sorry. a lot of work. I, I, I needed, can't help but... in that that in 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 that way, but no, um, no. The platform is yours. <laughs> <laughs> But mashallah, but it, it, it's even though we didn't need it, we don't need anybody's validation or approval. It is nice to be seen and acknowledged to say, you know what, we, we now understand that this is needed and we're glad that you're doing it and we're supportive. And that's the same with all the press and the media and the organizations and individuals have reached out and just said, you know what, I just think what you're doing is great. Um, and I'm just, and of course, all praises you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and just a huge thank you to these amazing human beings who at the end of the day they say yes to me when I'm just pestering always and them for stuff all the time but they say yes <laughs> um well, well, well thank you guys I, I think one one reflection from myself I guess on on my earlier question to you guys about the the all lives matter um thing and and, and should non-black people attend and whatever else 
my, my own personal reflection on, you know, when, when me and Nabil started the I'm Not Your Bilal podcast, uh, f- for me, it was a little bit daunting. And I think it still is because the conversations that we had, some of them were obviously quite lighthearted and fun and others were quite deep and, and quite emotional as well. But having to, as a non-black person, having to address the unconscious biases or the racism that's, that's inherent within you through years of conditioning and, and, and looking at the, the, the Muslim community in a certain way, it's, it's, not, it's not comfortable. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't think, oh yeah, I, I, I'm racist, great, or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think having to, uh, like, like, like you guys said, right? If, if you look at this event and you look at the lineup and you feel uncomfortable, don't just walk away from it, in my opinion. I think you should confront that. Like, you know, as I can't remember who said it, but, you know, give it a go, turn up to one of the events and, and see what happens, have a listen. Because mm-hmm. I, I think for me, at least, the experience of growing up in like a South, um, South Asian mosque predominantly, you know, my, my mosque is made up of predominantly South Asian, uh, well, East African, South Asian Muslims, um, but it, it's basically brown people. And, and you don't have that diversity growing up yeah. and I think a lot of our mosques are very ethnocentric and so it as you guys said it, it's a very unique opportunity to be able to to delve in and get involved in a space like this that you wouldn't normally necessarily have access to so readily and I think you know COVID has provided us with this amazing uh, shift in online events just being the norm now whereas previously you would struggle to get people to turn up to an online anything but now it's the only way people can do anything um, so mm-hmm. it, it is quite amazing and, and I, I definitely plan to, to I guess participate as much as possible and turn up to a few of the sessions I'll try and catch you guys when I'll, I'll check the lineup and, and, and make sure I drop into your sessions um, but again we've lost by the way I did forget to mention about halfway through the call um, Nabil had to jump off um, unannounced so that's why we haven't been checking in with him every now and then um, and uh, sister Naima has also disappeared but thank you guys very much for being the last two um, standing on the podcast. Um, and, and yeah, I look forward to the month ahead uh, and, and keep up the good work as well. I, I've, I've heard a lot about both of you actually in the last couple of days and, and, and the work that you're doing, I think is remarkable. And especially shout out to, to Hafsa in particular. Um, your, your name has actually come up quite a lot in the last few weeks and months and, and only amazing things. Um, and I guess as such a young person, you're kind of taking the mantle forward for the next generation um, in terms of really shaping the Muslim narrative in the West, which is, I think, something that, that some of us have, have tried to do a little bit of in our time in our own different ways. Um, but it needs for, for, for strong young people to, to really take that forward. And I think, you know, we're in a pivotal time right now, generally, as, as, as Muslims in the West. So just keep up the good work and, and, and inshallah, we'll, we'll all get to catch up again soon. Inshallah. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having Thank us. You. Thank, Thank you. So guys, that was my conversation with Naima, Hafsa, Nabil and Layinka talking about the Black Muslim Festival um, and their thoughts, I guess, more widely on um, the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, I guess the situation within the Muslim community today about issues concerning this. Um... I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I think it's it's an interesting format. It's it's difficult, I think, to squeeze everybody in and, and, and get everyone's thoughts in depth. Um, but I like having that kind of diversity and getting different opinions and thoughts and, and whatever else. 
do let us know what you think and i guess you know with, with regards to the festival itself like i said at the end um whether you're a black muslim non-black muslim not even a muslim and you're listening to this i think it's definitely worth checking out the event um there are some fantastic speakers and uh topics that are going to be discussed and i think you know especially for non-black muslims who may not have access may not have as many black muslim friends um and and and, and want to want to want to um sorry very tired this is quite late um it's 8 20 i'm not usually in the office this late so i'm a bit tired um but yeah if you want to um find out you know listen to the speakers whatever it might be um I, I would definitely suggest getting involved and also it's a digital event so you don't have to change out your pajamas it's a it's a win-win um for me um that is everything i think for another tmb podcast uh if you are listening to the tmb podcast for the first time or if you've heard episodes in the past that you haven't subscribed then just subscribe already please it's getting really tiring asking every episode uh, also um apple podcast five star rating i say that one every time doesn't happen very often but guys come on please um would be great and finally if you would like to support the muslim vibe uh, you can do so on our website www.themuslimvibe.com forward slash support uh five ten pounds a month would would mean so much um and it would go such a long way the link is always in the description right at the top so i know you guys are seeing it um just need a few more of you to go and hit that i don't know if people make it all the way through the podcast and listen to this bit because i always i always find myself i feel like i'm talking to myself at this point to be honest um but yeah uh it it, it would genuinely mean a lot and like i i'm looking at the the number of listeners and it's going up uh, which is great alhamdulillah thank you guys so much for listening but i i don't know maybe people don't make it this far in the podcast or they just listen to hate but um i know people are listening so i i, I hope we're doing something right um so yeah if, if if you are listening and you've made it this far in the podcast then, then do consider giving something small um on a regular basis to help us continue to grow and create fantastic content i say the same thing every time but you guys know what i mean um we need the support please and thank you um yeah that's it i will be back next week inshallah with another podcast thank you guys take care and stay safe